0: Everyone, welcome to the very first episode of the Milk Your Brand podcast, where we will share with you all the untold stories of the employer branding world. With us today, we have the incredible Jessica Winder, Senior Vice President of People at Refine Labs, CEO and founder of the Eden Jam Career Coaching, and also now the author of her very own book about how to achieve one's full potential and unleash their hidden talents. Hi, Jessica, and thank you so much for being here and taking on this challenge.
1: Hello, I'm so excited. I can't wait. I have so much to say. <laughs> yeah, people will love your
0: ideas. I love how candid you are on social media. And I'm so eager to, to hear all you have to say to us today. Actually, the subject for today is uh, the role of HR in employer branding and how these two areas connect. And I will start with our first question. And to you, what is employer branding? And where should this area sit within
1: an organization? Yeah. So when I think of the simplest way I can put employer branding is I think of it as the company reputation. Okay. So what's reputation? So whether that's internally, what's the reputation of what it's like to work there? Or externally, like what do people think when they hear the business name? And we can all, and I'm not going to name them, but we can all think of a company that we're like, ooh, when we hear the name. <laughs> or the opposite, a company that we're like, oh, it sounds amazing to work there. They have a great culture. And that all stems from their employer brand. So not only is it important for your internal employees, it's also important for our people that don't work there. And a lot. A lot of companies don't really put a lot of time and energy into employer brand they just think it just rolls up into the people operations which i i do think it should sit with people operations but i do think it should be someone's job so for example at Refine labs um, we have a direct or we had a director of employer branding so it was someone's full-time job to be thinking about what is our brand um okay. i think it should sit either with the people ops or with operations but it should be someone's full-time job It should not be like an add-on to somebody's
0: job. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, actually, I wanted to ask you, because you were saying that the brand, uh, the employer branding is also important, not only for the internal, but also external. Mm -hmm. And how does HR contribute to shaping and promoting the organization's overall reputation as an employer of choice? Because, of course, we can communicate something, but Mm -hmm. we need to be something before we communicate. So...
1: Yeah. So I think it starts with one of the most important things that I think is very underutilized is how you are using recruitment. So what are your job descriptions saying about you? Um, What does your website say about you? But how... How do people show up and how do they feel when they're interviewing with you? Because as we know, when you interview with a company and you get a bad taste in your mouth or there's a negative experience, you're going to talk about it. And most of the times, unfortunately, when you go and look at reviews and Glassdoor and all that, those are the people that something happened and they're angry about it. But the people that there was good, you normally don't hear from. So making sure that you are encouraging people that had a good experience or like it all worked out for them to also give reviews.
0: Yeah, that's so true. And I super agree with you when you said that the candidate experience is so important, even if they get an offer or not, because if they don't have a good experience, they will for sure talk about it and yeah. That's so, like people leave their pastime. Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> so we have a, a little game for you that okay. I didn't send it to you.
1: <laughs> but
0: but I, I love games. Let's do it. Hello, guys. Okay. So this segment is called love or spill the milk. So mm-hmm. I'm going to say, uh, say a sentence and you have to either say you love it and you can explain why or spill the milk and explain why. <laughs> so okay. I have two. The first one, in case of layoffs, a company doesn't need to adjust its employee management strategy.
1: Oh, spill the milk. Oh, you absolutely do. You need to adjust everything after a layoff. I think anytime somebody leaves an organization, especially when you think of a layoff, it's normally multiple people. So it impacts multiple departments. So if you are not changing or addressing it really head on, like I'm a big proponent of just saying this is what happened. We didn't hit our goals. The business did not succeed in this area. And the result is people are going to lose their jobs. And this is what we're going to do about it. Because not it's not just the people that are losing their jobs, which obviously are the most impacted, but the people that have to stay. Somebody still has to do the work. Yeah, and so- the trust is impacted too, like for the exactly. employees that stay, right? Yeah. Like, Could so we be next? They, exactly. They like have this like remorse of they did not get selected. And that normally causes people to start looking. So if you don't change your strategy, um, it's going to impact your overall because people, basically, people are going to leave. So yeah. normally there's a lot of studies behind the fact that after there's a layoff, there's normally like a, a pendulum of 30 to 60 days before people that you did not select start leaving. OK, interesting. Yeah, it makes sense because they will think like,
0: oh, what if I'm next? Maybe I should start wandering around and check for another opportunity. Yeah, for sure. So the, the second one, and I know you will have a, a say on this, <laughs> uh, remote work blocks social connections.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. OK, if you can't see the video right now, just complete eye roll, <laughs> spill the milk. It does not. People can be social Um, And be 100% remote. And so, I'll just use Refine Labs as as an example. We've never had a physical office. We never will. I have. We have offsites, so we have absolutely met in person and done those connections. But we all work wherever we want to work. So we have people that are traveling. We have someone right now who's working in Egypt for the next month. Like, we don't care where you are. Just get your work done. Yeah. But comes to connection, I think you just have to be intentional. So for us, we have training and development. We have what we consider to be like our fun item. So we do trivia together. Like it's intentional because to your point, when you're in an office, you just walk past somebody and like, are you going to lunch? I'm going to lunch. Let's go to lunch together. And you have those just genuine moments. That is not true remotely. So it has to be intentional. That doesn't make it less than though. So it can still be important. You just make it intentional. What is your opinion?
0: Uh, this is not uh, planned, but
1: what is yeah. your opinion
0: about onboarding remotely? Because it's harder. It's the first time, especially for juniors. So how how do you do it, or what's your perception about it?
1: Yeah, so that's something that we I will say at Refine Labs that is a strong strength of ours is onboarding people. Like before someone starts with us. Normally, they have met with their manager. They have normally at least met with at least one peer. So they come in feeling like they know someone. We send them a schedule at least a week before they even start with us of like, hey, this is what you should expect. This is who you're going to be meeting with. And we make sure that they're meeting with people that maybe they would not meet with, like in a different department. So we will randomly pick people for you to meet with. So you feel like you are getting camaraderie. But that, that is why it's so important because if, if it's not very intentional and very meticulous, then the person feels very left out. They don't know who to talk to. We go through a whole slide deck of, if we call it who to call, like those, okay. like who you're going to call. So like, who do you need to call when things are going on? So who do you talk to about this? Who do you talk to about that? Um, and we also set up throughout their onboarding. Cause as we know, onboarding is not the first week, the day it lasts for 30, 60, 90 days. So we're checking in with them. We're making sure that they have buddies. Yeah. That they have, they have, their- have mentors. Yeah. Like they have someone there to help them. Um, but it is, I definitely like, I look back on when I was onboarded years ago when I was in an office and it was so boring. You just like sat in a class and it was like the teacher and the student, and like, do this here, you know, that was the energy. Like, I don't like any of that energy. So yeah. it's supposed to be empowering to like, come in, do your job. And another thing that people hate with onboarding is they feel like they're not actually getting any work done. So they they're bored and they're not doing any work. No, probably the next, the probably the second day you're here, we're like, okay, here's your job, you know, like get to it. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, when I when I uh, I'm onboarding in my current uh, company, I love my company, by the way, but it's interesting because in my our two first two two weeks are purely onboarding uh, sessions, and I I was telling someone like I feel like I'm not doing any work. I'm so I need work. Please give me something to do because. But I, I also agree that at some point, it's it's important to understand the, the company's culture before starting to do something, especially if, if we're working in marketing, because we need to know how the company works to fully
1: communicate.
0: See. Exactly. exactly. But I was feeling that. I was feeling like, oh my yes. God,
1: give, me, like, give me work already. Want to yeah, like yeah. people are productive. So even if it's not the full scale of what they're going to be doing, getting them started in client-facing yeah. meetings or like... Just yeah, I was there. I was shadowing. Yeah, I was shadowing. That, yeah. That was that's super helpful.
0: Yeah. Okay, so uh you were talking about how you think employer branding sits within people operations, but some, sometimes it is like a marketing job or within the marketing area. So, based on your experience, how does HR collaborate with other departments such as marketing or communications to ensure a cohesive and consistent employer brand message because even if Employer branding, like the, the the job role sits within people operations, you still have to communicate with branding because even if you talk with about product,
1: you you need to have one tone of voice. So yes. how, how what, to be consistent? Yeah. So one of the things that I've run into um and these are two separate incidents. So at one job. Um, employer branding was all marketing. So it was all the marketing team. The people team was kind of like kind of cut out of it. And I think that's not good. Yeah. Yeah. That was like it showed. And so there was no consistency in the, the, you know, what we were posting specifically when it came to social media, there was a disconnect between the persona you saw on social media and then what you got when you came to the company and people would, would give us that feedback in exit interviews of like, Hey, well, online, this is the perception. But when I came here, it was a different reality. And it It was because there was no communication between the people team and the marketing team so fast forward to where i am right now and it's one one voice so like the marketing team and the people ops team are on the same page on like what is our voice um there's a lot of cross 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 collaboration okay can i talk um (laughs) when it comes to like job descriptions, but also like our value, employer value proposition. Like what is it that we value here and making sure it's consistent from the moment someone starts. So when I see like the brand that we're trying to build, it's from the moment that you hear about us until you leave that you have an impression of us. So what does that look like? And it's very different stages. And mind you, some people leave on a good note and they leave on a bad note, but there's also a way to do things and be respectful. So I even think a lot, you know, a lot of times we focus so much on onboarding and we forget about offboarding, but offboarding is just as important as- I think it's more, you know why? Because you will
0: remember the last- Thing you yes. had the last experience you had with your with your company so imagine you have an incredible journey but then when you leave everything is shady and people don't talk to you and they just leave you or you feel iced out yeah yeah so I, yeah. I feel it's it's even more important sometimes than the onboarding
1: experience yeah. But I have seen, there's normally like a little bit of a power struggle here. Of like, well, who owns this? And my advice on that is to let it ride. Like, no, I think it should be both departments. I really do. I think it has to be a dual effort between people operations and the marketing department, or it will not work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And also the top management. Because yes. uh, if the if the employee running team and the people team don't get the top management buy-in, like, how can we do something if we don't have someone uh, yeah. representing what we're doing?
1: Yeah, um, I call that like executive sponsorship. You have to have an executive sponsor or it won't work.
0: Yeah, true, true. Um, awesome. So you were talking about this before, but how does HR integrate employer branding into the employee life cycle from recruitment to onboarding and beyond?
1: It was actually this question. Yeah, kind of perfect. Um, I <laughs> think it starts with everything that you're doing. One of the things that we did with our employer brand that we were very meticulous about was we wrote a culture playbook. So a lot no, of times when in an organization, you get a handbook and it's really boring legal stuff. It's like all legal jargon. It's normally something one person did long time ago and now they wrote a policy about it that doesn't tell you anything about their culture that just tells you like no 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 don't do this one thing so we went a different route and said we're going to write literally a book about what it's truly like to be here the good bad the ugly so one of the things we have a whole section section in there about what it's like to work long hours because we are client facing marketing and sometimes when Our clients need certain things. You will have to work certain hours. So we didn't sugarcoat that like, oh, you're just going to work eight to five no, that's not happening here. Like if you're client focused and clients need things, then the expectations that you're going to work. And so we, we wanted it to be a true representation of what it is like to be here. And I think that's the biggest thing that you can do to show people is don't do a bait and switch. So don't tell people, you know, you're going to come in and you're going to have all of these things because the flip side of you're going to work hard, but we also have a lot of flexibility. We have every, in the summer, we have every other Friday off. Like we do all of these things to show you, we appreciate you, but we also have a high expectations. And it's and a
0: business, if- right? Like exactly. we can't
1: it's not yeah. dreamland. <laughs> exactly. So it if you're work. not gonna meet those expectations, you're going to leave. Yeah. And so we wrote this out to be very very clear. So I think my biggest recommendation is transparency. Like if you're not going to be transparent from the very beginning and you think like, "Oh, I'm going to get them in here and then, you know, they'll figure it out. They're going to figure it out and then they're going to That's leave. the worst strategy. Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> and it's such a waste of resources
0: because yes it's if someone buys something and they expecting to be a so, so, uh, top star and then when they start enjoying they're like what the hell is this exactly. it wasn't it wasn't this is what i this wasn't what i bought so mm-hmm. yeah. yeah um actually i wanted to also ask you something um in the employee life cycle do you have any uh points in that journey where you try to incentivize your employees to talk about their experience experiences, so almost like to
1: advocate for um, brand ambassadors. Yes, so we call them influencers, and in, and in every influencers. Company, yeah, we like literally say these are the influencers here. You know, we're <laughs> using social media terms, but in all honesty, every company has influencers, and they're normally they are normally the people that are actually not in leadership they've been there for a long time, or they people really like them and they see them as a leader, even if they don't have a leadership title. So my suggestion is to always tap these people first. So these are the people that will be your biggest advocate or your biggest detractors. So if they don't like a new policy or they don't like a new leader, they're the most vocal about it versus if they do. So one, using your internal network, and then two, we absolutely have check-ins. We do stay interviews where we ask people, like, why have okay. you stayed here? You know what I mean? Like, obviously we're all adults. We know that people get job offers. We know that people get poached on LinkedIn all the time. So when someone's been here for a um, couple of months, we ask them, why have you stayed? We know people have reached out to you. What is it we're doing well? And if, and if someone was gonna get you to leave, what would it be? Because that way we have information on what we could be doing better. And I say that to say, because if you don't do those check-ins, then you don't really know why people are staying. Like, is it because you're overpaying them? Because if yeah. so, that's cool. Like golden handcuffs, you know, what people call they work but make sure that you understand that that's what you're doing. And if it's the culture then you need to lean into, like, what are we doing great with the culture? What can we be doing different? Stay interviews are the key to getting people to advocate for you. And one of the things at the end of our stay interviews, we ask people like, Hey, if it, you know, can you go put this feedback on LinkedIn or on glass? Oh, so you, you so you ask them, yeah. Okay. Like okay. we write it out, like especially, and honestly, it's not always the good comments too. Like if you go look at our glass door, there have definitely been comments on like you need to improve this. And yeah. so I think it has to be constructive feedback. You can't just say like, "Oh, you said something great." Go write about it for us. Yeah. That's- Do you think
0: a company should be afraid? I I, I know your answer, but should a company <laughs> be <laughs> should should a company be afraid of that exposure? because when you give the when you give voice to employees it's either for the the bad and and also the good right so
1: yeah. Well, I think what a lot of employers try to do is censorship. So they try to censor only the good. They only want to hear the good stuff or they only want the external people to know the good stuff. They don't want them to know that, you know, we need to improve this process or we need to do. But I don't feel like that gives people to my point earlier about transparency. That's not giving you a full picture. So a lot of companies actually are like, they would not ask people to go do last story reviews. We ask them, we actually have like a link we send out. Like If you want to go do a review, here you go. Um, But like I said, it's not always good. There definitely have been people that have gone on Glassdoor and said things that I was like, oh, I was kind of shocked by. But I actually read it, though. So that's the difference. A lot of people won't even go read it. I read it.
0: (laughs) And I feel like that's good. You know why? Because whenever I'm searching for a company and I see like five stars and everything is Literally the sometimes even the same sentence. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, huh, I'm suspicious. Maybe the company. Suspicious. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I feel it's good also to have. I mean, not not ev- every company is not perfect. So
1: not yeah. So it yeah. doesn't that would know. be weird. Yeah. You can you can pick it out of a lineup, the ones that are curated and that are very specific of they told them to say this or told them to yeah. say that. No. yeah yeah for us here at
0: infraspeak we we do like service every once in a while not service but like we incentivize um people to to go there just like oh hey it's time for you to yeah. do a review after some some kind is like automated so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Last question. (laughs) You've been great so far. (laughs) So can you share any success uh, stories or examples of how HR's efforts in employer branding have positively impacted recruitment and also the candidate
1: experience? Yeah. So I would absolutely say that one of the biggest impacts that we have had is around making sure that people know who we are. So it's not just that people know your brand, but they know things about your brand that make them want to join. So that's the whole point. Like when I think, you know, it's your reputation, but your reputation is meant for sales, whether that's sales to a customer. Or sales to a potential candidate. So it's like two ways. So you want your customers to think that you're going to kill it, knock it out of the park. And you want candidates to think that this is a great place to work and I can grow my career here. So it's really, really important that that's a part of the entire process. So one of the successes we have, we are really big on video content. I know, I'm always getting videos. So we like record videos of our teams doing, you know, whether that's at our offsites or whether that's like our meetings. We are really, really big on um, Loom videos and like just recording ourselves talking and like what's going on and why are we here. And one of the big successes is we ask people when they interview with us, how did you hear about us and like what made you join. And so many people talk about the videos. They're like, there's so much content that I I feel like I know you. And that's kind of the thing is you want people to feel like they know. What it's like to work there and even it reduces the there. risk the risk yes. of changing jobs right yeah exactly so videos is a big part of it so i encourage people to do videos and if that's not your thing then even like voice recordings like we have our own we have three internal podcasts so if you really really wanted to if you go listen to all three of those podcasts you have a very good indication of what it's like to work here so we where, where out- do you post that where do you post that sorry to interrupt oh no, you're fine so most of them are on linkedin but you can also find them on apple so if you just go in and search Refine labs they'll okay. come up um but i say that to say just as much as you marketing as you put into you know clients you need to put into candidates for sure
0: here here <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay
0: jessica that was it that's it for this episode Perfect. Uh, it was fast I, I but it was so i mean so so much content in in yeah. i think 30 minutes yeah uh, so thank you so much um, for participating. People will love it, I'm sure. Everything you shared today was incredibly valuable. And I really think people will be able to up their game, both in employer branding, but also in HR, um, because it, it is a synergy that needs to happen. <laughs> and yeah. So for the ones listening, I hope you enjoyed and don't forget to follow the Milk Your Brand podcast on our socials, LinkedIn and Instagram. And if you have any question you would love to see one of our guests answer, feel free to DM either me or Isabel. (laughs) Yeah, so thank you and see you on the next episode.